Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello, hello. It's, uh, what a week just flew by. Isn't that not crazy? It really did, and it's even funnier because we're a day late this week. We've moved over to our new time and our True. new re recording location, so we are now recording on twitch.tv slash thegamersin at 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday nights. I'm very excited, and I've got to say, this schedule just feels so much better for me because my <laughs> Tuesdays are so crazy busy that I yeah. always felt unprepared come Wednesday. Uh, so having the day yesterday to spend some time and play some games that aren't in the Blizzard universe made such a big difference to me in terms of like prep for this show. So I've actually got like nine hours into the game that I'm going to talk about today. Hmm. I'm very, very excited about it. So I don't want to jump too far ahead, though, because Ryan, you've got some news off the top of the show that you want to share with everybody. Yeah. So last week we talked about TGI Presents, the Gamers in Presents, the new spinoff podcasts that we're working on and the first one we teased was a fire emblem heroes related project called summoner's call we recorded episode one on saturday and published it to the feed and it's live you can go listen to it even if you're not a fan of fire emblem heroes you can go in there and just support gamers in by giving it a giving it a download giving it a listen and giving us feedback we're still working on the format but uh, i had a lot of fun just chatting about Fire Emblem Heroes with Eddie and it was a it was a great outlet just to be able to be like let's talk about this little game that we love playing and uh yeah it was just it was really good so go check out Summoner's Call I I, I would really appreciate that for sure great uh so the second TGI Presents project that we mentioned I believe was that last week mm -hmm. uh was the uh Sea of Thieves show that uh, Siv and I are planning to put together We've had a little bit of a bump in our scheduling because Siv is having his tonsils out and won't be able to talk for a couple of weeks. It's kind of important so, to do a podcast. Kind of important <laughs> when it comes to podcasting. So we're trying to figure out exactly what that means for our scheduling and how we're going to, because originally we were planning on doing about a six, epi six weeks of episodes. Right. Uh, and then we're just like, well, we're going to have this big break in the middle of it because Siv can't talk. So um, I don't know if I'm going to do a solo show or if um, we're just going to start after his throat issues are finished. But one way or another, we're still planning on doing it, but it's not happening right this second because of uh, health issues. So um, it's still <laughs> planned to be the next TGI Presents project. But uh, yeah, cool. you guys should all go check out Summoner's Call. And uh, give Ryan some uh, some feedback there on his yes. uh, Fire Emblem that would be project. Awesome. Now the real question that everybody has in their mind, and obviously you know, good luck with the with the surgery, Siv. But how is he going to yell at you when you shoot him in PUBG? I, that's the real question. I think I intend to take full advantage of that. Okay. <laughs> the fact will, that he can't yell at me. <laughs> true. Maybe he'll just write in all caps, and that'll make you feel bad. But honestly, it's just not. <laughs> he's, the same. he's just gonna rage quit. That's all. It's gonna happen. <laughs> just Alt F4. I'm yeah. out. <laughs> I can't tell you that I'm out, but I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, before we get into what we're actually playing, we mm -hmm. are on week four of Ryan's streams. So yes. what is the update into your, your streaming adventures for this week? I know we've had a lot of feedback when it comes yeah. to uh, the stuff that we've been talking about on the show about kind of how to get started streaming. And I know a lot of people are following along with how you've been doing. So uh, yeah. so what's your update this week? So I feel like we should have some music or something like some epic <laughs> adventures in streaming. If anyone wants to put that together and, and just clip out that little bit just create a bumper that'd be great but <laughs> we we have had some feedback and most of it all of it has been positive in that people are enjoying 
listening to how to get going. We've had a lot of questions in the Discord, and I thought it would be good to um, repeat some of those questions and go over answers because I know you and I and the community kind of latched onto those questions and, and gave some answers. So one of them in the Discord was, you know, hardware, like recording hardware for your microphone. Starting out fresh, where do you start? Uh, and I, I, I use the same mic that I've used since we started Gamers in uh, the Yeti, uh, just the Blue Yeti. And I right. know, and that's that's pretty much the one that mm-hmm. everyone really uh, recommends. It's the one I use. I still use it when I do the Get Nailed stream because I have a separate desk off to the side where I do my uh, nail painting. So mm-hmm. um, the mic that I use, I just just after five years upgraded my mic and it's been a pain in the ass to actually get it set up properly because it's like an XLR mic, which I'm not used to using. I had to get a uh, preamp and a USB interface and like there's a bazillion things that my cord plugs into before it actually makes it to my computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love it now, but it's been like I bought it in October, no, September, like shortly after we moved into the new house is when I actually made the investment. It was like $1,000 of equipment, and it's taken me until literally like last week to actually mm. figure out all the audio problems and all the everything. Like it's just, I feel like now I've kind of got a handle on my mic, and it took so long. <laughs> the Yeti is like plug and play. Oh, you, you plug <laughs> and, it in. And like 150 bucks. <laughs> so yeah, and, I, and I used it for, for streaming and for uh, podcasts for mm-hmm. literally five years. So yeah. you really can't go wrong with the with the Yeti. All that being said, I feel like they just very recently came out with a new one that's an XLR, like Blue did, that's an XLR uh, condenser mic, although I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. what it's called. But it's like, uh, might be like a the Bluebird or the something. Hmm. Uh, anyways, it's, it's, it's the kind of high end now because it used to be that the Yeti pro was the high end. So this is a step above that. So it's going to cost you somewhere in the like 250 to $300 range probably. Um, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the, I'm trying to look it up now and there's just too many options on Amazon. So I'm not sure which one's the new one. Um, but basically it's like the next step up again and it's the it's like the condenser. It's their take on a pro microphone without the super pro price and without having to have any other like crazy things. So um, you might want to take a look at that one if you're wanting to dive into the super high end without the super high end price tag. But blue microphones in general hmm. have always worked well for both Ryan and I. So, yeah, I really can't recommend them enough. Yeah, and uh, in the Discord, as well as backed up by personal experience, um, uh, Jim was saying in the in the chat that the the, the lo- if you're looking to like a lot of folks, if they're interested in streaming, they don't really want to like jump in right away at the two hundred dollar, even the hundred dollar level. But mm-hmm. Blue has their intro level mic, which is the uh, the Blue Snowball, and Jim right. uses it. Uh, I know that on Zombies Ate My Podcast, uh, Lou uses it or, or used it for, for quite a while. And it works quite well. The, it just doesn't have a hardware switch on it for muting. But if you're kind of just talking, you can just use like a, a hardware switch on your keyboard, just hot, hot key it mm-hmm. and then use it that way. So those will will work. But like, 
you're going to find problems with it. I find the Yetis, and you, you notice this, especially during Extra Life, that if with your Yeti, if it's placed on your desk and you're talking and you're playing a, a PC game uh, and, you don't, and you have your keyboard on the same level as the mic, you're going to pick up a lot of extra noise. And it's going to piss true. off a lot of people, including your, yeah. your co-host uh, at <laughs> five in the morning. And, and that's just a reoccurring thing you don't want to happen because it, yeah. uh, at six in the morning after playing video games for 23 hours, it's just like no one can take no one. No one's <laughs> going to hold back there. So um, if you go to Amazon, especially with the Yeti, uh, just the Yeti blue, you can get I purchased. It's called newer. It's a new it's the newer brand. So N.E.W.E.R. And they have like a $20 arm and a $20 pop filter that you can buy. Mm. And they just work. Uh, you wouldn't think $20 for a clip-on arm would work, but it, it works. And yeah, it's lifted I love my... having my mic on, yeah. on the arm. It's just it makes everything so much easier. And then you can like position it in a way that it doesn't pick up the keyboard quite mm -hmm. as much. And uh, yes. you get that noise gates and thing. The only thing is like uh, you mentioned the, the mute button that the Yeti has and the snowball doesn't have one. To be honest, I find like the mute button on the Yeti is so hard to push. Like it's a very stiff button mm -hmm. that most of the time when you push the mute button on the Yeti, it's worse than whatever the hell you were going to do in the first place, whether it's yeah. cough or sneeze or whatever. It's like, Kuchunk. It's and then it, you're muted and then you come back and it's like kuchunk. It's like, it, well that that's worse. It's yeah. so much worse. It's very um, evident when you mute, and I remember whenever my keyboard would be making sounds and I'd just passively aggressively mute at uh, at six in the morning, <laughs> uh you could like, Oh Ryan muted his mic. And it's like, yeah. yeah, of course I did, because I I'm I'm feeling very self conscious right now. So don't so if you're gonna be streaming like we talked about last week about trying to present the best possible product possible and i think that's that goes along with it is that if you're gonna have a, a microphone on the desk you could even try playing with a controller so you're you're far enough away and and normally when i stream i'm yeah. i'm with a controller just to kind of like keep it away but yeah. um and that, the other yeah. thing is too there are a lot of and um ping pong pete in the chat room mm -hmm. is saying that right now there's lots of gaming headsets that actually have decent quality mics so you don't necessarily have to go and get a standalone mic. And then if you have a gaming mic, as long as you don't put it right in front of your face and breathe into it all the time. But if you kind of point it away and then it'll it'll still pick up your voice. It, usually that's enough to, to get rid of some of the keyboard sound. So then, you know, you can still play on a keyboard without actually having your mic on the desk. So there's a lot of kind of different ways to work around. But what you want to make sure that you're doing is whatever mic that you get, do a couple of test streams. Hmm. Uh, even if you're not actually streaming live, just kind of record, record yourself playing, record yourself talking to imaginary people, see how it actually picks up your voice versus the ambient noise around you. Because if you have a streamer, it doesn't matter how good they are. If they're playing a super hard game and they're doing a super great job of it, but you can't listen to the words coming out of their mouth, you're going to put people off of your stream so quickly if your mic and audio quality is bad. So right. make sure that you're not like, you know, your gain isn't up too high and all that kind of stuff. Like there's a lot that you can do after you actually purchase a mic. So do a couple of those test streams. Make sure you've got the audio to the best levels that you can be. And then if you still can't figure out, like if you're still popping or the, the mic quality is bad, then just put it back in the box, return it and try something else um, yeah. because your audio quality really it's more important than I think some new streamers realize they just use whatever they have on hand and that's great. But even if you're just using what you have on hand, you still have to do those practice recordings and you still have to make sure 
that your stream is going to be listenable. Yeah, no, that's important. So I think from a microphone standpoint, like that's sort of a good starting point and a good sort of broad strokes for, for where you want to go. And depending on your budget, like I think having a decent microphone fills these days so many uses that you could probably spend a hundred dollars on a decent microphone and and not be too worried about whether you're going to get use out of it like if you're a if you're an avid pc gamer having a microphone is going to be important especially with yeah. the voice chat and discord and all that fun stuff so yeah voice yeah. chat is becoming so much more of a requirement when it comes mm -hmm. to online gaming just because there's so many multiplayer titles now that require team coordination that if you're not on voice chat and even like heroes of the storm is bringing voice chat into their game as well. Like almost everyone, if they don't already have it, they're going to be incorporating it. And uh, if you can't participate in the voice chat, then you're putting your team at a competitive disadvantage. So again, right. that depends how, how important being competitive is to you. But um, yeah, voice chat is has come and is not going anywhere. So yeah. It'll be, <laughs> you're right, it'll Ryan. Be it, it has multiple uses even outside of just straight up streaming. Yeah, and I mean, while we're at it, um, we might as well just go to webcams as well. It's not something I had in here. We didn't get that question, but it kind of goes hand in hand with your microphone. It's like, okay, I got a microphone. Now, what about a webcam? Because last week we talked about, you know, trying to at least be on equal terms with most professional streamers of having right. a microphone and, and, a, and a webcam. So presenting your viewers with a professional product, regardless yeah. of what stage of your streaming life you're in. Yes. Yeah, so the go-to, I think, from what I've heard is the C920. Like, that's sort yes. of the good... And it's always on sale on Amazon. It is. Uh, and I can't even remember. I have two of them. I have one for the nail stream, and I have one that you're watching me on right now. There you go. <laughs> um, and, yeah, the C920 is kind of like the streamers slash um, podcaster standard, I guess is the best way to call it. Uh, it's a really good camera for the money. It does up to 1080p video, which is great. Um, I never use it at that high of a, of a resolution because my video is always small compared to my 1080 resolution of my actual gameplay. Mm -hmm. um, but still, it does very, very high resolution. It does a good job. I've had it for years and it works fine. Um, the only thing that I would say is that because streaming is becoming so mainstream, I guess, among gamers, like there's so many of us trying to do streaming. Uh, that there are a lot of companies that are kind of like jumping on the bandwagon. So there's, although the 920 right now, I think it's a, it's the Logitech C920. Uh, right now, I think it's kind of the standard. I also think that there's a lot of people poised to kind of change things up a little bit and challenge Logitech. So um, I would keep an eye on specifically Razer. They have a camera that literally sold out within the first 20 minutes of it even being available. And it has a built-in, like, so right now, when I'm streaming, I have a green screen behind me and I have one, two, three, four lights that are currently lighting me and my green screen on top of the actual light in the room. And so this camera from Razer actually has a built in um, circle halo. I can't remember exactly what they're called, but basically a built in light. Hmm. So it's made to like work with the camera, work with the focal length and everything else and provide essentially like perfect face lighting for you on your stream. So like they're they're taking it to that next level and saying like if you want to look professional for the least amount of money then here's another option so you don't have to buy like I had to buy the stands for the lights I had to buy the studio lights themselves I had to buy my camera like 
more and more companies are taking advantage of, of this streamer market mm-hmm. and creating really cool tools. Um, Elgato is the other kind of uh, streaming accessory kind of people. I use their, well, they make my super awesome stream deck, which I'm not using right this second because I'm streaming gamers in. I don't need to be switching scenes, but um, I use that for when I'm normally doing my video game streams. And it just is like programmable buttons that let me switch scenes and mute my mic and put messages in chat and tweet and all that kind of stuff. Um, They also make a green screen that has lights, again, built in. So it's literally portable and it goes into the, like it rolls up in like a, like uh, old school, like window shades. (laughs) Do you remember when you used to have to like pull down and then it would like spiral up onto a thing? You remember those window shades? I remember. They were like, it's like when you go to get your photo taken in grade eight, it's like, do you want the space background or the library background? It's like space. I can go to the library any day. Um, exactly. I went to space, mom. So, Anyways, yeah, I remember. It's exactly that. So it has its own stand. It's completely portable. It kind of like whooshes all back down into and has a little handle on the outside. And it has built-in lighting. So you just plug it into the wall, stick it up wherever you want it, and bam, green screen. So again, you don't have to worry about all of this old school lights everywhere like I have to because it's, it's all built in. So um, Elgato also makes the uh, capture card that I use. Uh, we have both an internal one that's in my system as well as an external one that we use with the consoles. So um, there's lots and lots of companies that are making mm-hmm. like really cool accessories for that next level of streamer. So I'm not saying you have to get all of these things all at once. Uh, you don't uh, need a green screen. You don't need a stream deck. But there yeah. are plenty of streamer accessories available now for varying amounts of dollars but they do all of these companies because they're competing with each other so closely. Mm-hmm they're fairly affordable for what it is that they're offering you. So I was yeah. able to get my stream deck for a hundred bucks on black Friday. So yeah, definitely within the realm of affordability. And, <laughs> you know, what Jocelyn's describing is the sort of everything you could possibly buy to street, to stream, to, yes. to cover all options. So for example, if you're looking to just start, uh, like myself, I guess um, you, you could start with PC streaming OBS, get a decent microphone, and like you probably have a webcam. And the webcam I use every week for Gamers In is is the same age as this microphone, maybe a little bit a little bit newer, but it's a I think it's a C two seventy, so it's a it's a seven twenty p webcam. Right. And you know you can probably tell the difference in quality right now between Jocelyn's and my camera. But when you're streaming your video game and you're that postage size stamp like right you, you know so, but like i said i even though i have uh 1080 capability on my camera mm-hmm. i never use it my my camera is usually set to like 640 by 480 or something maybe i can't remember right. exactly what it's set to but uh basically it's set to super tiny because it's a super tiny little corner so why would i waste computing power and pixels taking this big, huge video and then compressing it down into something that's going to be this big on my screen. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, I turn the resolution on my, on my webcam way down because I just, I just don't need it. And I never even um, thought about doing that. Like I just, I just shrink it in OBS. So right. does that not, that doesn't do that. Eh? It's just, no, it keeps no, the same you're still resolution. recording 1080 or 720 in your case, but then you're just smooshing it down. So it's still recording at the higher resolution when you mm. don't, don't really need it. No. Um, 
Okay. Yeah. So you're using you're using uh, computing power and and everything else to to do that, and and you don't need to. So yeah. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. I think there's uh, there's lots to talk about. We'll definitely come back to it next week. I'm really appreciating sort of this, <laughs> you know, this back and forth, not only between us but also between the community. We've had a couple people reach out on Twitter, you know, uh, on Discord, saying that they're appreciative of this sort of walkthrough. I don't think it's organized in any way, only just because. <laughs> It's I'm just ex- whatever stuff you run into as yeah. you're as you're progressing through your streaming adventure. Yeah, so I, I feel like the wise old sage that you have to return to to turn your quests in. <laughs> old, I, yeah, like old sage or something. I don't know. Yeah. I was gonna say old man is a reference to some stupid video I watched years ago, but uh, that wouldn't apply here. But uh, I think that I this was the first week where I was able to just sit down quickly switch the the source the video game mm-hmm. and just start streaming and it felt kind of like oh that felt really good because i just got everything set up and i just started playing and then um i had the i have an ipad pro so i uh, twitch just updated their app to have like a dashboard on their ios app so you can have the chat mm-hmm. up and running i have a little bluetooth keyboard i'll pull this out so it's like it's just this little keyboard and 30 bucks on amazon it's an anchor keyboard, and it's quite enough that if you have it away from the microphone, you can chat over to the left. Now, mind you, I made the mistake of having it set up right behind my microphone, so I could only <laughs> watch and, like, awkwardly watch. So if you watch the stream, you could see me kind of, like, looking up over my microphone. Um, so I'm going to set it up over here next you time. You I know, and that's that's exactly what happened to me. I'm, like, through the streams, like, I can't move it now because I'm just going to, like, make noise, and it's going to be awful. So I just dealt with it, but... I had people watching, we were chatting back and forth, uh, you know, Tweep was there, Eric was there, we were playing Iconoclasts, mm-hmm. and just got got into it for a couple hours, and it was a lot of fun, and I think, uh, I think I'm going to stream some Fire Emblem Heroes in a couple days, there's a new update out, so definitely continuing down that path. I don't know if I'm going to buy any hardware, I just picked up the pop filter, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I have everything, I just over the last five years I've picked up stuff here and there, usually for extra life. So I'm pretty good hardware wise, but I guess like as we go forward, if anyone has any questions, certainly send them in. I will certainly share our answers, not only in discord or Twitter, but bring them onto the show as well. So everybody can hear these, these updates, but yeah, that's, that's the update on my streaming adventures. More to, more to come, I guess. <laughs> Keep awesome. going. Well, you mentioned that during your streaming adventures, you mm. had been playing Iconoclast. So uh, tell me about this, because I feel like we haven't talked about this yet. So no. I don't really know what it is. <laughs> so this one, this game sort of came out of nowhere for me. And it's a action platformer on Steam and basically every console. I played it on Steam. And it's kind of a Metroid light where you're running around. You're, you play Robin, who is a, uh, an engineer slash mechanic. Which normally would be very boring. You know, oh, I'm a mechanic and I have a wrench (laughs) and I don't know why this is so action-packed. But the game has this very deep story where, um, I'm trying to think of a a good comparison, but let's just call them a cult for the lack of a better word. But there's this cult that sort of runs the world and it's illegal to be a mechanic, at least without, you know, you're... Mechanics are usually put into like slavery and go work at these like camps or something. They they build batteries. <laughs> I don't know what they do in the camps, but um, anyways, you're a, a daughter of a mechanic who was taken away and killed, and it's forbidden to be a mechanic. Dark. It goes yeah exactly. Oh, and that's the thing. 
This game, it if you look like at it. It sounds like it wouldn't be. It sounds like, I don't know, for some reason, Iconoclast to me sounds fun. <laughs> well, like, okay. like I mean, I mean, like, bright and cheery, like a Mario platformer, yeah. not like your dad was taken and murdered. <laughs> oh, dude, it is a dark game, and it's very, the story is very just heaps of drama and intrigue and it's not the type of story you would expect from this type of game and if you look at a kind of kind of class on either youtube or even a gif it looks bright and pixel arty and just like yeah super mario metroid just very bright and colorful but then at the intro to the game it's like mechanics are outlawed but you're a mechanic so like don't do anything stupid or they'll kill you um <laughs> and you find out your father's been killed and it, it goes forward from there where you're a mechanic in town and you're just trying to help people and you get caught. So when you get caught, they basically like destroy your home with mm. your family inside. So your brother and oh my God. yeah, your brother <laughs> and his wife and their child are in this house. And I got far enough that I know the brother lived, but sort of they hint that maybe his wife and child were killed in this bombardment. Oh my god. I know. And it's super dark. And the story is like, again, it's laid on pretty thick as you're going through. There's lots of dialogue. There's lots of story and character development and sort of world building. So I have to hand it to the developers because they've, they've really done something that you wouldn't normally find in a game like this. It's, uh, but that being said, the gameplay is rather addicting where the loop is basically you start off in a town you're sort of exploring a little bit and uh it progresses the story progresses you talk to people and then it's like okay now you need to go do this thing so that thing might be exploring through some caverns to get to the next area so where you're 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 having you're shooting and you're combating monsters as you progress and you're doing puzzles and stuff. And then you'll come to a boss and that usually signifies like the end of the world. But traversing is like you're using your wrench to sort of grab onto things and swing around and you're you're using your wrench to kind of like counter uh, projectiles. So you can kind of okay. like launch things back like at people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's... I was going to say redirect. But yeah, yeah. No, it's redirect. Redirect is probably the better way to put it. Like you're just kind of swinging this wrench and people will throw like these grenades at you and you can just launch them back. Uh, you have a stun gun and where the Metroid stuff comes in is you're finding upgrades as you go. So uh, I think the first one was like a bomb. So it says like, oh, here, you need to take this bomb back to HQ. And it's like, no, nah, I'm going to keep it for myself because it's a stupid, it's a bomb. You crazy? <laughs> I'm going to use this for everything. Uh, but it's a, it's a cute little game and, and honestly really surprised me with the story and how, now I'm not, I'm not going to lie, it, it's a little pretentious at times. It just feels like a little, like they're laying it on a little too thick. But I think as you progress through the game, you start to, you start to really get into it, even though it's, it's pretty, it's pretty thick. It's like, oh, mother, uh, you know, the, the Contra collaboration, uh, I'm trying to think of like, I just kind of stopped paying attention after a little bit. <laughs> it was good though. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to keep going. I think I'm at like world four. I just beat a world where I, I swam for the first time. So there's like underwater levels and there was a bunch mm. of these cool puzzles that you had to solve to just progress. And it, it was really satisfying. So how much game time are we talking in this game? Like, cause this is an indie title, right? Yeah. So 
I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up because I'm about maybe two, four hours in and it feels like I'm going at a steady pace. Mm. The I'm not sure what the the goal of the game is. So I'm sort of just progressing. Like you're on the run. There's these agents that are chasing you very much like the Matrix. Uh, and they're trying to capture you because you're an enemy of the state because you're a mm. mechanic. And you run into these pirates and these pirates are really cool because they're also enemies of the state. But it turns out they're not actually pirates. They're just another tribe of people who see the world differently. It's kind of like an apocalypse type era where there's okay. you know, human race is, is more dwindled. And there's just this authoritarian tribe who's kind of taken over and rules under, you know, under their boot and stuff. So, uh, but then there are these pirates, so to speak, that are not really pirates, but more just people who think differently. Um, so there's so, a lot to it. According to howlongtobeat.com, sure. Iconoclast, which I'm looking at this screenshots and it does, it looks like super bright and fun. It's cute and cuddly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it takes approximately uh, 10 and a half hours to beat the main storyline. And if you play the extras, you're looking at about 12 hours. If you go full completionist, you're looking at about 14. So, so uh, 10, yeah. 10 to 14 hours, depending on how deep you dive into the game, which I think is that's that's pretty good for a uh, for an indie title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 10 hours seems about right. So I'd say I'm about halfway through uh, if I came right down to it. But the bosses are really satisfying and there's there's really cool characters. So you'll run into characters and and they'll sort of join your party and. And uh, you'll you'll be able to interact with them in different ways. But the characters are really cool. The the characters, their dialogue kind of reminds me a bit of Stardew Valley, the way they would talk. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, if you're looking, uh, this one came out right or, right alongside Celeste, which was kind of the indie darling of January and got a lot of press. And I think Iconoclast came out around the same time and people sort of latched onto Celeste, but they didn't. I didn't hear a lot of stuff about a kind of class, so mm. it's definitely worth checking out if you're into indie action platformers because it certainly will scratch that itch for you. So if you're waiting for the next Metroid or Mario or yeah, just this one, this one's really good, and it's not it's not as hard as Celeste appears to be. Like Celeste appears to be like a Super Meat Boy Twitch platformer. This one's mm. a lot easier on and it's just fun it's more fun like you're not dying every 30 seconds you're having fun so go play <laughs> that one not that other one i love dying as meat boy though so now, even when you die it was satisfying and then you replay and you get to see all your meat death oh so good <laughs> well i don't think i don't like i haven't played celeste i don't i feel like i kind of thrown it under the bus there without having played <laughs> it but i just i'm not a big fan of the die a billion times to get through the level mm. once and i know celeste isn't like exploding meat bags you play a you play a you know, a human <laughs> being uh, who, who dies like I think Mega Man. She just goes. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Check out Iconoclast. And I, I think it's just it's a more relaxed sort of dialogue heavy style game. And if you get into the story, I think it would um, go a long way for for folks. Yeah. Very cool. So did you want to talk about Life is Strange now or did we want to talk Subnautica first? Oh, let's talk about Subnautica. I need a break. I want to hear about Subnautica because honestly, I've been really looking forward to this one and and saw it playing a lot on Twitch and uh, I'm interested, but I need to be convinced. So let's talk about it. So uh, I picked up Subnautica because it was in early access forever 
And so it finally came out of early access and was officially released, uh, I think it's about two weeks ago now, because I had, I had originally intended to cover it last week, and then I just ran out of time because I was laddering in Hearthstone, so I didn't have enough time to actually um, cover Subnautica. But uh, this week, I like I mentioned with our change in schedule, it actually worked out really well. I was planning on streaming from 3 till 6 yesterday and kind of dipping my toes in and seeing how I liked it, because I knew literally nothing about the game. Hmm. All I had seen were other gamers that I follow on Twitter saying that it was really beautiful, that the scenery was amazing, and it was a really cool, really fun game that they were losing a ton of time in. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. It's out of early access. We'll see how it goes. Like, I thought finding three hours worth of stuff to do in this game was going to be super difficult for me because I'm not a fan of, um, like, sandboxy, Minecrafty kind of games. We've been through this a billion times. Like, I need yeah. a little bit of direction. Same and here. I find... Subnautica is the kind of perfect mix between giving me room to explore and do things because the crafting system is extraordinarily satisfying because you're not only crafting things for you as the diver and the crash survivor, you're also trying to construct this like underwater habitat hmm. for you to live in. So you're kind of like you're creating your environment. And for some reason, it gave me like, um, it kind of felt like the Sims-ish kind of an experience when I was building my habitat, because I and I don't know why. It just like I I had missed that like building my house feeling. <laughs> I right. guess I don't know, but anyways, it was um, really fun and satisfying once I got to the point of building my habitat. But like I said, I was planning on streaming about three hours of it yesterday, and I ended up streaming for nine hours. So I actually did Whoa. two sessions because <laughs> I was having such a great time. So I streamed for, I think, about four and a half hours uh, in the afternoon, and then I streamed for another like four and a half hours in the evening. And uh, I couldn't put it, I couldn't put it down, and I couldn't find good stopping spots because there's always like something else that you want to go do or find or whatever. And it was a really cool experience for me because um, we've we've talked about a couple of games that we played on the show before, including mm. Sea of Thieves and Depth, that tend to have uh, those jump scare shark moments. And so I was so sure because you basically like you're on this planet that looks like you're told at the beginning it's 70 percent water. But all you can see for the entire like to the horizon is water like you cannot see any land. So there's your giant crash spaceship and then there's you with your little like escape pod and the only that this the um the ship is like burning and it's not like an actual refuge or anything like that that you can try to swim to and even if you do it's way way far away so you're basically just like swimming in this open ocean and uh I, it took me a long time to kind of get over my like oh my god something is gonna come and try and eat me <laughs> like instantly that's a real and hurdle for you with these with these is, type of it games it really right? is yeah. yeah and i have this kind of um fear of not necessarily water but i have like a fear of swimming where i can't see the bottom if that makes sense that's so like, like everybody's normal fear of i i i can't i can't swim outside of pools because it's like <laughs> okay I, I can't see the bottom I don't want to. There could be something down there. It's like it's a lake, Ryan. They're exactly. fish. They're well, not... maybe there is a lake shark that no one's discovered yet. Okay. Or, or have you seen Swamp Thing? If he can exist in a swamp. Or Lake Placid. Or lake, lake Placid is also a thing. Sure. A giant. Uh, 
Was that was a giant crocodile or yeah, alligator or whatever. Alligators, well, let's not, uh, you know, we don't want to get into that whole mess. But no, I, I think like <laughs> there, there's, and that's the other thing. And you can play Subnautica in VR. So. Oh my God. I, yeah. I, <laughs> do you yeah, even no, want to? No, no. No. You don't even want to try that? Like you turn around and it's just this like little tentacle like flops on your shoulder. Like, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, no, no, no. So, uh, so yeah, like I said, it took me a good two or three hours to kind of um, get over mm-hmm. that fear of not being able to always see. And like for me, it was like because you have to come up for air every once in a while and you can build oxygen tanks and eventually the time you can spend underwater gets longer and longer and longer. Mm-hmm. But um, I was basically like it took me a while even to like jumping off of the of this like um, escape pod thing or there's also a hatch in the bottom so you can go straight from the water up into the escape pod or you can go you know straight down into the water you don't have to climb up and jump in but I like couldn't wrap my head around not being able to see and just like plunging myself into the water even though and I mean, this this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but it might help some people like me. Um, the space around your escape pod is very much like starting zone. Like there was nothing within a like probably 50 to 100 meter radius of my escape pod that was going to try to eat me. It was all <laughs> little pretty like tropical fish mm. um, and and nothing was trying to eat me. It was very, very pretty. It was very, very nice. So. Um, that's kind of like your, your starting zone, your safe level, like while you learn the ropes, like nothing's trying to kill you. Um, and so it also kind of lulled me into a false sense of security. And I was like, oh my God, sharks are going to eat me. Sharks are going to eat me. Sharks are going to eat me. And then no sharks tried to eat me for like three hours. And then finally I ventured into a place where there definitely was something that was trying to eat me. and was huge. And it was terrifying because I wasn't expecting it. Uh, it almost did. It bit me once. I didn't even see it because I didn't see it coming. I had actually gone over to investigate the big wreck of the spaceship because I'm like, there's got to be stuff to salvage from this giant metal thing, right? Right. Because that's the big point of the game is you're trying to um, kind of uh, scan everything on this uh, alien planet. You're trying to learn as much as you can, find out what's a resource, what's not, uh, collect all these different like metals and minerals and things to to create Mm -hmm. the supplies that you need to survive. And... uh, so I was like, there's got to be stuff on the big ship, right? So I heard this like groaning noise almost. And I was like, oh, that's got to be like the ship's on fire. It's like falling down, right? That's just it's the sound that like creaking, falling down metal makes, right? Nope. <laughs> I literally didn't <laughs> even see the thing that bit me. All I saw was its tail, which was bigger than I was. And it took my health from like a hundred percent to 10% with one bite. And I just like, I didn't even look back. I just like beelined it back to my safe zone. You just flippered the hell out I of did, there. I did. I did. I did. I went through right. this like tiny little like cavern thing. So it was too, too small for him to go into and then like beelined it back. I never even looked back. I don't know what it was. It was just huge and tried to eat me and it scared the crap out of me. Oof. And I haven't been back near that ship since. Um, um, is there stuff to defend yourself with or do you just have um, to avoid? I have been finding like weapon blueprints and things. So there, it might be that I just need to actually like make weapons to defend myself and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, it really felt like, um, the more I played, the more the world kind of opened up to me. And like I say, there aren't necessarily, um, quests, but you get like, beacon signals from other survivors so it kind of fleshes out the story in that way so when you go to a beacon 
and you find like uh, you find more information there about what happened to them. And uh, yeah, it kind of flushes out the story from there about like the um, survivors and the rescuers and the other people on the ship and what your ship was doing in the first place and, you know, how your ship crashed as well, because, you know, basically you start the game in the escape pod and like everything's going to hell, right? So uh, that's where you start. So all the alarms are going off and you're in the escape pod and it's like, you know, evacuate, evacuate, you know, abandon ship, abandon ship. And then you get in and then it's this whole shaky camera and then sploosh, you hit the water and you get knocked out. Um, And then so you kind of wake up and you have to repair all your equipment and you have to go out and dive and try to find things like titanium and silver and stuff to redo the wiring and and all that kind of stuff. So it very much... um, right at the beginning of the game doesn't give you very much story, but you discover it over time by going to these different beacons and trying to find other survivors. So it's enough to keep me going because like I said, the the main game is probably is like the exploration and the crafting and the crafting system is so robust, but so easy at the same time. Like I'm really, really enjoying it. And when I find a new recipe and then I locate all of the pieces to that recipe. It's super satisfying. I made a little hmm. sub, dude. It's so fun. Wait, it's like a sub? Like putt putt engine on it. And it's like, I'm going driving around the ocean. It's so cool. That's cool. So you can, so you can build things that are more than just habitat. It's, there are tools for you to use to explore. Now what's the end? Obviously the end game is to survive and to learn. Uh, and right. learn how, what you can use to survive. But what what's the end game? Is the end game to get off the planet? Uh, to be honest, I'm not a hundred percent sure because obviously hmm. I'm not there. And I and I also looked this up on how long or yeah, how long to beat dot com. And sure. apparently the main story is about twenty three hours. That's if bad. you're going for completionist, it's about fifty hours. So there's a lot of gameplay in here. There's a lot of things that you can do. A lot of things that you can explore and discover. And, uh, yeah, so I'm not sure what the actual end game is. I assume it's basically just survival. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how the, like the main story is going to wrap up. I mean, it could be rescue. It could be survival. I don't really know, um, what they're telling me right now. I've been getting like radio transmissions from a, from a nearby ship. That's kind of trying to get to us as fast as possible, oh. but, uh, there's no kind of, uh, like time is really difficult to understand in the game, I guess. Like they say, oh, we're about a week away. But then like, I've definitely played more than seven days worth. But I'm mm. like, is this a space thing where it's like, you know, an Earth week is different than a whatever the hell alien planet week I'm on. Like, you know, how much is an actual week there versus a week here? And I don't know, relativity, I think is what it's called. Yeah. I don't know. It's like the interstellar is planet it? where <laughs> yeah you're, exactly you're, where when you're on the planet it's like you know you're there for two minutes but it's like 30 years in earth time or whatever yeah yeah that kind of thing <laughs> opposite where they they're t- they're traveling for a week but you're experiencing years right dun, yeah dun, dun. <laughs> and then matthew mcconaughey comes in and says all right all right all right exactly hmm. uh so so that's what i mean about like i feel like they should have been there by now but I mean, maybe they also crash landed or whatever. I don't really know. But uh, I did actually find an island. So that was cool. And it it was funny because I kind of found the island right around the time where I was getting um, not necessarily bored of my 
like the stuff that I had been doing, but um, it was nice for a change to actually get up on land because there was like trees and an abandoned habitat and different animals and stuff. So it was really cool to see because up until then, I'd just been underwater the whole time. Um, and it was at the point where I was like, okay, I need to start to do something different now because this is getting a little bit repetitive. Um, but I had also been a giant scaredy cat and didn't actually want to go down to, there was one, um, beacon message from like, it was like a kilometer and a half away from me, which is really far to go when you're just swimming. And cause this was before I had my sub. So I was just like swimming and it was shortly after my thing with the giant trying to eat me shark. So <laughs> I was a little bit like hesitant to go in crazy deep water. It was like right. 300 meters down and a kilometer and a half away. And so finally I was like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to try this because I'm at the point where I don't know what else to do now. Like it's getting a little bit repetitive just staying around here. I don't have any new blueprints. I think I found all I could found it, find in my like starting area. So I've, I have to go mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to this beacon. Um, and that's when I ended up finding the island. So it was it was at a good point where like it it then pushed the story along. It gave me more things to do. So uh, so yeah, I feel like it's it's paced well, and it but it did take me a good like uh I don't know maybe probably about three or four hours to really get past like just the fear and kind of claustrophobic feeling like when you when you don't have land. Like, and you're also afraid mm. of deep water. <laughs> like, it's, it's, a, it's a hard game to wrap your head around, but it's very much worth it. It took me, like, probably, and even still, I wasn't doing, even if after I had a flashlight, I wasn't doing it, but going out at night, because everything, it gets, like, pitch black. Right. <laughs> so, like, then you're just, like, exploring around with a little flashlight in the dark underwater. And I was just, like, uh, for the longest time, I was just sitting there and talking to the stream chat room, and I'm like, I'm sorry, we have to wait for, you know, crazy, dark, scary time to be over and then we'll go explore again. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, even um, like I said, I was trying to kind of like keep keep myself close to the ground. And then so I was going deeper and deeper while still being next to the ground because then I'm like, nothing can swim up from underneath me if I'm touching the sand. But then it's like you have to go like straight up to get more oxygen. So then you've got all that big expanse of water below you again. And uh, yeah, so there's. There are some things that were a little bit hard for me to uh, kind of get past when it came to this um, little bit of fear. And I had a couple of people in the chat room saying, too, that they've played, you know, two or three times as long as I have. And they've mm-hmm. never gone deeper than that one beacon that I went to uh, because it just it gets it gets really like crushing. Like it really it does a great job of like simulating what it would look like and feel like to be like, even in the middle of the sunniest day ever, the light doesn't penetrate down there. So it's no. like always crazy, dark, scary time <laughs> when you're a few hundred meters below the water and it gets really dark. It gets really murky. And, uh, and yeah, so they did a really good job. I don't know if I could play it in VR, to be honest. Um, I, I could probably like, I don't know if it <laughs> requires the touch controllers. I don't have any touch controllers, but I do have access to a headset. So I wonder mm. if, if it's worth I haven't done a it's lot of gaming. It's definitely beautiful. Like yeah. the character design is really cool. There's like the just the color schemes and everything that they've used is awesome as well. And the environments, just everything, like the the sky, and they've done like the multiple moons and stuff. And there's stars everywhere. And then you know during the daytime, the water looks. I mean, it's no Sea of Thieves water, but no, the I mean... water still looks good. Um, yeah, like the the game itself is absolutely freaking gorgeous. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that, yeah, like it, it does get some, yeah, it gets a little bit, a little bit overwhelming at times. And I didn't have the whole immersive VR experience. No. I feel like if I had the immersive VR experience, I don't think I would have made it nearly as far as I did, but I had a great time. I, it took me like nine hours to find a good stopping spot where I hadn't, I didn't have any other beacons. Um, there was, you know, I, I didn't really know where to go. Like I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, you know, nine hours in we can chill. (laughs) Um, but the other thing is too, Ryan, if you are going to pick up this game and I didn't realize it until, um, I died, but it doesn't auto save. So you have to be like, when you think that you might be doing something that could potentially be dangerous, just save your game. Oh, so you just have to save your game. So when you die, it just kicks you back to the last time you saved. It kicks you back to your, yeah. So it'll take you back to your escape pod or back to your uh, habitat, depending on, um, but the thing is when you die, and this is the other thing too, I didn't know for the longest time what happened when you died and it basically just fades to black and then loads you back into your escape pod. So it's Mm. not as potentially traumatic as it could have been, I guess. But uh, but yeah, you do lose your uh, basically any items that you've picked up since Mm. you were last at your habitat. So if you are going on like a long exploration, like resource gathering trip, then you be careful and watch your oxygen oh there's so many times i almost died just because i ran out of oxygen oh that now that sounds terrible like that sounds worse than just (laughs) you know uh rogue giant fish uh, yeah running out of oxygen (laughs) in the middle of nowhere uh deep in the ocean oh yeah gosh uh okay well no i it's something i've been keeping an eye on it's a game that looks like a lot of fun so it's it's out of early access on steam I believe it's still early access on the Xbox One, which means you can download and play for up to two hours for free on the Xbox Mm -hmm. One. And I was reading online that the Xbox One early preview, and this was a couple weeks ago, is essentially the same version as the Steam release version. It's just in early access still because they're still polishing bugs and stuff and, and, and making it sort of at the same um polish level as as steam but it's i think it's feature complete in terms of the released uh so yeah i think i might check it out i it's you should it's, give it a shot i yeah. think you'll be surprised if you have like access to two hours of it i think you'll be surprised how quickly that two hours goes by and it's cool. i think probably gonna leave you wanting more that being said my first few hours of the game was me trying to get over my water fear so the uh i if you get past that quicker than i did and if you explore further than i did faster then uh it might be a little bit different of an experience for you but i felt like even when i wasn't kind of straying very far from my escape pod i was still having a really good time right there's still lots to find and lots to explore and lots to see uh within like the air quote safer starting zone I want to try it and I will I think I will try it maybe for next week to see how it goes because it's one of those games that has come out of early access and has kept the buzz about it because I know I've yeah. seen it before I've seen it's been around for quite a while in early access. I feel like it's been a couple years that it's yeah. been in early access and I never gave it much thought previously just because like I said I'm not into Minecraft type games I'm not into crafting type games and I'm not really into free ex- exploration type games so this didn't seem like it was going to be right up my alley, but then I literally couldn't put it down. And I think it's just because of the beacons and the like little story that there is 
is enough to give me something to work towards. So mm -hmm. for instance, like I mentioned that really far away, really deep beacon that I needed to go and find, um, knowing that I had to do that gave me things in my crafting menu to aim for, like the mask that helps me breathe better at deeper depths and, you know, the larger O2 tank and stuff like that. So then I had like a shopping list of things that I had to go and find. And then I had to explore a little bit further because the things that I needed weren't within my starting area. So it's like, it made me push my boundaries and it gave me something to work towards, which, um, some of these games, some of these survival type games are usually missing is kind of the grander story. So hmm. there's not much to the story, but there's just enough to kind of keep you playing, keep you pushing further and keep you wanting to do more. Um, like there's just enough of that. And it's interesting. All the story, all the beacons are done with voice logs. So there's actually like voiceover. It's not it's like you're not just reading text. So, um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And there's some interesting characters in it. So I, I highly recommend it. Uh, it was a lot of fun, even if games like this aren't normally your thing, because, again, it's very visually stunning. I think you and I are on the same page when it comes to these type of games where we're not we're not a Minecraft type. We're not a right, build right. your own fun kind of people. But when you're given just enough of a carrot on the stick and the story is present and mm. the gameplay is there to match it, I, I honestly the fact that you're saying there's there's voiceover uh, logs and and there's good characters and there's good story development. I don't need it heaping like in a kind of class. It felt like there was just a little bit too much there. In yeah. this, I I want the gameplay to be front and center because I know that's what they're targeting. But the fact mm -hmm. that there is that story layer to keep me going, that was something that No Man's Sky was completely missing. Uh, yeah. At the beginning, I don't know if they addressed it with the patches. I haven't played since, but I know they've been putting a lot of work into it. But I think that, yeah, Subnautica sounds great. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that you played it because I think that I, I'll, I'll check it out now. Now that I've had, I've had yeah, many people should. tell me to check it out for sure. But yeah, you should at least check it out on Xbox. I'm really mm -hmm. curious to see what you think about it. And mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I think the the full full version on Steam was totally worth it. I think I got it on, I think I did get it on sale. Um, I think it's like 30 bucks. It's not too but bad. But yeah, it's, it's not too bad anyways. And like I said, um, according to how long to beat.com, you're looking at, you know, between 20 and 40 to 50 hours, depending on how many things you go and find and if you actually go and collect everything. And mm -hmm. I mean, I probably could have, you know, just swum down to that, uh, that beacon really quickly, which is my fins. But, you know, I built all the other stuff too. So it just depends how completionist you want to get about it. But seems like there's actually a lot there and that it takes a while to complete so cool highly recommend so <laughs> that brings us to life is strange before the storm <laughs> episode two so ryan <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bore yeah, you, you with the you details said that i was supposed to make sure that you kept this short so Quickly. i will be cracking the whip don't you worry because next week i'll have finished the the series of before right. the storm and we'll, we'll talk right, more about it's shorter it. it's only three episodes instead of five right yeah it's three episodes then everyone will get a break from life is strange talk because i don't think the uh, max and chloe episode launches until march so mm. chloe's interactions with any adult just terrible it's brutal <laughs> it 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 just so it, it doesn't get any better <laughs> that section showcases the problem i have with one of the problems i have with the game is that and I get it. I get it. You're a teenager. Teenagers don't interact <laughs> with adults very well. I understand. 
moving on. That doesn't make it a good subject for a video game. No, and and that's that got me thinking. You know, is this one of those YA type things, like young adult type things, that maybe it's just not aimed at us? Mm. Um, but then I say that, and I don't want to like. I know a lot of people like these games, and sometimes YA can be a bit of a derogatory term, like you know, towards Twilight. I don't know stuff like I was Hunger just Games. Twilight too. Isn't that what <laughs> YA is, or is Harry Potter YA as well? Like, well, technically, yeah. Okay, so there's different. Anyways, so it doesn't have to be a bad word, but yeah, when you no. said like used as a derogatory term, I was like, yeah, like Twilight fans. <laughs> yeah, but then yeah. So anyways, yeah. it's it's just it's the worst part of the game is anytime she interact. But luckily, they um they only sandwich uh, they only kind of start each each episode with that, which is so stupid that you start your mm. episodes with the with worst some of the worst parts. <laughs> yeah, and you could t- it's totally avoidable. Like at the beginning of this. Uh, so we're going to do spoilers just so everybody knows. So if you're avoiding before the storm, you can tune out for the next five minutes. But uh, yeah, so we're going to do spoilers. So at the beginning, you get caught and you're being expelled and you go out in the parking lot and your step douche is there and your mom and they like go hardcore on you and they're like, okay, you need to empty your pockets. And it's like, oh, this is so dumb. Blah, I'm going to empty my pockets. See, I'm a liar. Blah. You know, and uh, that's how it sounds like to me. <laughs> Uh, my kids are gonna love me i love ryan's 16 year old girl impression so good (laughs) yeah but like in her head she's she's just kind of like ah i'll just do it because i don't have anything there was no weed in my locker so it's fine and and it's just the way she talks to these characters and she just she completely just like because her mom is hurting as well because your it's the reason your father's dead and that's why you're right you're such a uh a bad dick. apple or dick, you know, <laughs> uh, and you're, you're, you know, your your mom's doing her best. Sure, she's got this like broken boyfriend, but he makes her happy, and she's kind of moved on a little bit. And I think that hurts, you know, Chloe even more. So, knowing what happens in the first game makes the events that they're showcasing in this prequel stronger. But it's these things that keep cropping up that kind of bring the whole experience down. And another one of those is Jet. Everybody sounds like a low rent just version of what it should sound like. So mm. this game was created during the whole voice actor strike. So every right. I would imagine just based on what I'm hearing, pretty much every character in this game that appeared in the first one has a new voice actor. Yeah. And that is super jarring because we played a lot of Life is Strange and if you play this one, everybody sounds different. Uh, yeah. that appeared in the first game and it just it sucks and you you notice it like your mom sounds different the principal sounds different and you experience those characters enough in the first one for it to be just downright wrong in this to, to, for them to sound so different and especially chloe having a different voice actor i actress mm. i thought maybe i could get past it but it just it's broken it just doesn't yeah. feel right but the and fact- Rachel's the exception, right? Because yes. she wasn't in the first game. So and Rachel's excellent. Her voice actress is, is superb and kind of just rises above everybody. And luckily, that's a character that you're interacting with the most and the character you want to care about the most because she's the mm. one that has, you know, the gruesome fate uh, right. in the first one. So we're still leading up towards that moment. I don't know if they're going to touch on the moment of her disappearance, but what they are touching on kind of... Because in the first game, we don't know a whole lot about Rachel, only that she had some sort of relationship with Chloe. 
mm-hmm. in this game, it establishes that, yes, you had a romantic relationship with her. And that was sort of developing as you became very close friends. And But you find out more about why Rachel was sort of acting out and sort of lashing out at her parents. At, actually, again, spoilers, at the end of this episode, the end of the first episode, they... They, they light a park on fire and it causes a forest fire, which I think kind of dictates why there was that storm. Because when you have a major fire, uh, you know, a major fire like that, it can certainly whip up some stuff in the air that, that can cause mm. problems. So I thought that was a neat touch, even if they weren't aiming for it. I think you could make that logical leap. <laughs> Yeah, technically they're science-ish. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It was less of a... I mean, I love that we're talking about how they're kind of science-y in a original game that involved time travel powers, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, we don't try to explain that away, but let's make sure the storm but let's, makes sense. Yeah, at least let's make sure the storm <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> so anyways, at the end of this, like uh, in the first game, you discover your father's uh, macking on some other woman in a park, and, and that sets Rachel off. And then at the end of this episode, you get invited in for dinner and, and you have the opportunity to um, either calm Rachel down or uh, sort of confront her father about it. And if mm-hmm. you calm Rachel down, Rachel will confront him for you. And I thought that was really well done. And at the end of the episode, you find out, well, that woman isn't my drug dealer. She's not my mistress. She's your mother. Dun, dun, dun. And I was like, oh, shit. So that was interesting. <laughs> um so the game has the game has a decent story. It's just kind of brought down by the problems that you discussed uh, months mm-hmm. ago. Just the the YA nature of this fifteen year old fighting against the man and fighting against her parents. And but there's there's story there that just it explores Rachel's character that we never got in the original. This is less about Chloe and more about Rachel because we know where it's all headed, and it just makes it even more tragic and and terrible right it's kind of too bad that they didn't just choose to make you play as rachel and keep chloe the kind of uh secondary character that we didn't necessarily get to hear the inner monologue of and we didn't have to deal with because she's like she's so hard to listen to and when you're playing as her like you just you can't get away from her right so it's unfortunate that the the rachel story which could be the you know the really um heartfelt sad interesting Mm -hmm. story the one that we know literally nothing about um because we do know chloe from the second from i guess the first game um it's too bad that they they made the decision to go with chloe because i really couldn't care less about a character like i really couldn't she was awful in both games yeah so it it totally turned me off of any kind of interesting story that they wanted to tell with rachel's character so uh it's it's kind of like it makes me sad that Rachel's character is actually good and interesting and the voice acting is excellent and, you know, you want to know more about her story when it's wrapped in this ugly, awful Chloe package. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I just, I, it, I feel like I just want to go read the Wikipedia page and find out what happens and then just yeah. be like, oh, okay, cool. Just so I know more about Rachel. But um, Do it. I, I mean, I yeah. think that... Even you... then, like, the whole life is strange. I'm just, uh, I'm kind of over that. Yeah. Well, it was... It, it, I... it was interesting at first, but it, exactly. it lost its... Uh, interest very yeah. quickly. I'm me. still in, I'm still enjoying it. I'm I want to see where these characters go, but I have a feeling that episode three could could wrap it all up in a nice bow, or could just be like, oh well, that was stupid and pointless. Like if they don't if they don't launch into at least some of the events in Life is Strange, then it makes the whole pr- like the fact that the voice actors aren't the same. I know it sounds like it's a sticking point, but the fact that they aren't the same tells me that this prequel was was 
was rushed. They should not yeah. have done this. They should have just waited until the, yeah. the strike was over. Yeah. I, I feel um, like it really brings it down, but uh, mm-hmm. Rachel is fantastic. So I'm hoping that in episode three, slowly you're getting her more front and center and Chloe. Yes. She's not the greatest character, but her with Rachel makes her a better character. Cause she's more mm-hmm. tolerable at that point. Yeah. Um, so I kind of hope yeah. that they end this like uh, end episode three at like when Chloe realizes that Rachel's disappeared because by the time we meet them in uh, Life is Strange, the original, mm. she's been looking for Rachel for months and people have given up, right? Yeah. She's the only one that's still looking. So I kind of hope that we just kind of like don't see that portion. Like we just leave it up to our imaginations, like what actually happens. Like I, I feel like if they chose to just stop it where chloe realizes that rachel's gone that would be more impactful than yeah. either not touching the disappearance at all or you know taking it right up into uh, the original life is strange story yeah. so we'll have to see what they do but um yeah. i'm interested we'll to see what you think once you're actually all the way through and and you know what your final thoughts are but sure I still don't think I'm going to get back into no, it, which I know don't. is not why you're talking. I know no. it's not why you're talking about it. But. I'm sharing it with the world uh, yeah, because I feel so like this game. Yeah, have to play it. Uh, sure, that as well. But I, I feel like the game, it's a follow-up to one of one of my one of my favorite adventure games that we played in the past because it was different, and I think it showcases a different style of game that we don't often get to get to discuss on the show how often do we get to discuss a game that focuses on like teenage life and and they nail that you know they nail that aspect of it they just they go a little too far with certain things and i think that rubs you know 30 year old ryan the wrong way like i don't want to i don't want this person to be all like angsty towards parents that are just trying to help you out like you're the deadbeat doing drugs and not going to class (laughs) like it's not their fault you're the problem see dad ryan coming out i'm sorry but i swear it wouldn't take any longer so we'll talk about episode three next week and then we'll take a break and i hear that the deluxe episode that's coming out with max they brought all the voice actors back so clearly Mm. it was a strike thing it was totally a strike thing because i remember the voice actress who actually played chloe said like no i'm not playing chloe in the second episode because of the strike so sorry (laughs) it's a it was a bad choice yeah and um hopefully this and I mean, you already own the game. I think you even bought the deluxe edition. So in March, when this new episode comes out, I think you get to play as Max again. So maybe mm. it won't be so bad. And so is it going to be um, like an after the original or is it before? Like, where does it fall in the um, uh, Life is Strange timeline? I would. So my guess is because they haven't come out. They, if they have come out and right and said it, I haven't seen it. But my guess would be right before Max leaves for Seattle. So it mm. might be even happy Chloe. So, mm. you know, game of the year, that... maybe? <laughs> Let's not go that far. Okay, sorry, um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I am looking forward to seeing what you think about it yeah. after it's all said and done. Uh, a reminder to everybody, you can go to patreon.com slash thegamersin if you'd like to support the show. Ryan has been putting up weekly episodes called the TGI Patreon Mini where he's going over exactly what's happening on the show this week, what kind of games we're going to be playing, what you can expect. And uh, these are going to become more and more relevant as we add more shows to the TGI Presents lineup. So make sure you guys are, again, going to patreon.com slash thegamersin every Sunday night if you are a patron, every Monday if you are not, to get a preview of what we will be covering this week. And you guys can play along if you'd like. Mm -hmm. Um, 
You can also join us on our Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord if you'd like to talk to Ryan and I at all hours of the day about anything gaming or non-gaming related. It's up to you guys. You drive the discussion. So again, join us at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. That's also the place where we take your votes for game night. Game night is happening on February 15th this month. It's always the third Thursday of the month. Uh, just so happened that February 1st was a Thursday, so it's coming yeah. a little bit earlier than normal. But uh, again, February 15th will be game night, so make sure you get your votes in. There is a special patron-only section of the TGI Discord where we take your game night votes. We also have a patron ad from Simon this week. Uh, Ryan, do you want to take this one away? Sure. Patron ad from Simon is Weekly News Desk is a podcast all about geek news this week join your two canuckle head hosts andrew and simon as they keep you informed on movies tv video games and books find them on itunes or at weeklynews.com which brings us to the topic of the week this week we just have a couple of little odds and ends here for you because we're already running long uh i don't know why but this show yeah this is a long show it's my tonight. fault it's because we yeah. it's because of all the adventures in streaming I, i'm yeah. sorry it's fine it's fine <laughs> i know everyone loves all the info uh, so our first piece of news here is that Nintendo is working with Illumination on a Mario movie. So these are, or this is the studio behind the Minions. Which <laughs> Ryan, how do you feel about that? I just want to get this out there. Are the Minions that bad? Like, honest I opinion. I like Minions. Okay, good. <laughs> I think they're adorable. <laughs> like, they're not the worst thing in the world. You know, there are a lot of animated things. I watch Paw Patrol for a living. Come on, guys. And Paw Patrol isn't that bad, but there's some real bad Netflix kids stuff that you might accidentally like stuff like dark YouTube stuff that you would you would think does not belong there. So Minion is not that terrible. But that being said, well, I feel like uh, the first so first Despicable Me when they first introduced mm -hmm. the Minions, I think they were adorable and awesome. I think yes. that they've been they're a little bit like. Oh, they're they're like, played out now. There's like, like four there's, of them. There was movies. an entire movie just about the minions. Like that's oh, too much, guys. Too much. And we're on Despicable Me like 18 now. So <laughs> <laughs> certainly, feels I think that people way. are a little bit minioned out, and so I think that's what has people a little bit cautious about the mm. idea of the makers of Minions also now being behind, you know, their precious Mario movie. So yeah. I don't, Ryan. You are a much bigger Mario and Nintendo fanboy than I am. So how does this make you feel like are you hoping that Mario has some more voice lines or that he gets more of like a minion treatment? I, I think I think you get uh, Charles Martinet to do the voice and he stays the same. He does his whole wahoo, you who, you know, jump this, uh, throw my hat that I don't think you're going to go and give him give him lines. I think you'll build characters around him that will have more lines. I mean, there have mm. been animated movies that that play well with less voice acting. But I mean, I don't think you give him more, more voice acting than you need to. You just give him a sidekick who talks and that's normally what Nintendo does. And <laughs> you know, Nintendo's very involved with this and we talk about minions and the illumination has done other projects like secret life of pets, which was really good. I thought mm -hmm. it was a good animated film. So I'm not worried about the company. Like, People would be jumping over the moon if it was Pixar because it's Pixar. But like Illumination makes some of the great, you know, the best and most entertaining uh, computer generated films out there. So I don't need an Oscar winning film. I just need something that captures Mario and the Mushroom Kingdom in a way that is going to delight audiences. Right. Mm. We don't need a tearjerker. I don't want up, you know. 
I'll go watch the Pixar films for the up experience. Uh, <laughs> I'm fine with this being an illumination film and, and yeah, I'm, I'm more concerned. Like, do you do the kidnapping of peach again? Like, mm. let's throw that chestnut out. I think that's, that's not a movie plot, right? I would hope they do more with it than that. Mm. But I mean, that's kind of always been the Mario air quotes story, right? Is there is the good guy in Mario who sometimes has Luigi or Yoshi or both as his sidekicks with a little sprinkling of Toad there. And then, you know, you've got the bad guy sometimes alone, sometimes with his sidekicks with all his little Koopa kids Mm -hmm. stealing Peach. (laughs) Like, that's the formula. (laughs) So, I I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you vary it much if you're still gonna have uh, like if it's still gonna feel like mario like what do you do like a political drama in the mushroom <laughs> kingdom like <laughs> what else do you do if I, not the bowser steals peach and mario rescues her story maybe like i think <laughs> you know your only option for an hour and a bit length film is probably to start the first 10 minutes with the dun 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 peach has been captured and then transition to oh there's a bigger baddie attacking the mushroom kingdom and everyone's got to team up including bowser and mario and that's 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 happened before in video games and i feel like that would probably present you with more of a story to tell because it's this um bone cop bad what cop if it type ends scenario up being like a crossover and like ganon suddenly is threatening oh. the mushroom kingdom <laughs> well see this is the thing if you want your zelda a, a movie, lead up to the zelda movie exactly <laughs> yeah if you want your zelda movie you want your metroid movie you want insert nintendo title here like this mario movie needs to do well yeah. for nintendo to be like oh if we choose the right partner we can make a great film especially if we say we want creative control because shigeru miyamoto is going to be co-producing this project and you know, some would say maybe he might hamper production in a way because his Mario stories aren't like Super Mario Odyssey. That's not him. That's a different. Yeah. I mean, he's producing, but he's not di- he's not directing that story. He's not creating that story. It's, it's there are other people at Nintendo now making those games. Um, it's just like Zelda. It's it's not uh, uh, Miyamoto doing the Zelda story. It's Anuma, right? It's a different mm-hmm. director. So. We'll see how that goes, but they're trying to pump this thing out fairly quick. I think they want it to come out in the next couple of years, you mm. know, maybe to coincide with the uh, universal launch of their Nintendo Land, right? Probably, I would yeah. think so, right? So it's it's interesting. I, I This has been rumored for a while now, so there's talk that this is a little farther along than just announcing the deal, but I'm excited for a Mario movie I, I think it's we're well overdue for a CG animated. I'm not. I'm. I'm glad they're not doing live action. Save the live action stuff for Zelda for Metroid. Yes, <laughs> where, where it's needed. Man after my own heart. Live well, action Zelda. I wanted to. There was that fan made live action Zelda trailer mm-hmm. from I don't even know how many years ago, but long time. I just yeah, it was like probably four or five years ago at least, and that might have just been when I heard of it, but it could have been around before then. I don't know, but that trailer. Oh my god, I want it more than I want any other movie of anything ever. <laughs> well, when they announced uh when there was so good. Yeah, when there was rumors that Netflix was going to be doing a Zelda series, it was like no-brainer. That's your that's your Lord Lord of the Rings went to Amazon, HBO has Game of Thrones, Zelda. You can do so much with Zelda outside yep. of 
Like, if you just look at all the games came out, they're all pulling from the same setup, you know? Uh, well, Boy they all Awakens, exist. All that fun stuff. In the same uh, sort of universe and mm-hmm. timeline. I mean, we had the Hyrule Historia that came out a few years ago now that basically put all the games in this giant timeline and said, yes, this is all the same universe. We're dealing with like a reincarnation of the hero type situation. So mm-hmm. I feel like they could do, even if you wanted to get into making a Netflix series, like have each season of the Netflix series cover a different portion of the timeline and have yeah. like, you know, an Ocarina game or an Ocarina season and a Majora's Mask season and a Wind Waker season. And, a, you know, like, oh, there's so much they could do with Zelda. I want to write this. <laughs> so that's the thing. You got to buy like six tickets and two Blu-rays yeah. for the Mario movie. And then just hope <laughs> then. against all hopes. Like, that was the thing. Like, with the Warcraft film, if you wanted mm. another one of those, you had to go see it. You had to. Oh, I did. I went and saw it multiple times. Yep. I bought it. I, yeah, I definitely did my part when it came to yeah. the Warcraft movie. Unfortunately, it uh, does not look good for that one. No, but... I feel like if we were going to get another Warcraft movie, yeah. we would have already had it announced, which sucks because some of their best stories are, like, Arthas stories, and that's, like still another like we have like a thrall movie before we could have another like before we get to the point in time where we're gonna have an arthas movie so yeah damn it i i <laughs> think on, get on it i think we get i think we get another warcraft film from duncan so. jones in the next I five years so. I, I think I we do so. <laughs> uh the final little bonus piece of news we have for you guys tonight is that the title that i've been talking about for ever it was in my most anticipated of 2017 but it's been delayed uh, mm-hmm. is actually got a release date. This is Vampires coming on June 8th. So I'm super stoked for this, even though technically it's from the studio behind Life is Strange. And we just spent like 15 minutes of tonight's episode talking about what a letdown, especially um, before the storm was. But still, um, they've announced a simultaneous release for PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. This is the really cool one where you play a doctor in 1918's London mm-hmm. and you... Basically, uh, you're involved with your patients, obviously, and you get to choose of your patients, like, who lives and who dies. And so, like, you want to kill, like, because obviously you have to survive. You're a vampire. So, like, you want to kill the sickly ones. But then if you eat the sickly ones, then you don't actually, like, there's a balance there between, you know, who, what you're willing to give up versus, you know, like, you actually living and and everything else. So, it sounds like it's a really cool potential mechanic. Uh, it's been in develop for, development for a very long time, so I still have very high hopes for this. It looks like it's going to be really cool. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. June 8th is a little later. I mean, like, when you say spring 2018, I know spring is a season that goes from, like, March <laughs> to, to end of June, but, like, I don't know, when you're going to give a generic thing, you don't go right to the end. That's not fair should have been like well so it's it's kind of been compared to a lot of vampire things that i've liked in the past so mm-hmm. um vampire the masquerade was was a really really old title that i played in like early 2000s uh bloodlines then there's like um oh what's the other one? Oh, dishonored dishonors the other one the more recent kind of um franchise that it's been compared to so it sounds like it could have some really really cool gameplay and like i said like some really cool choices that you'll be able to make is like to how um powerful slash evil your character of dr jonathan reed is going to be versus you know how um kind of understanding and compassionate he might potentially be which sounds really weird considering you play a vampire so i think it should be i think it should be really cool and really interesting and so we finally have a finalized release date 
And again, it's a simultaneous release across PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. So I'm really looking forward to that. Cool. You guys should all go check it out as well. I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Our new time, our new channel. Um, yeah, we really, really appreciate it. Remember, if you are here, you're watching the show, give the Twitch channel a follow so you don't miss our episodes. We do plan to do them Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern every single week right here. Again, that is twitch.tv slash thegamersin. Uh, you can actually uh, also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes will be streamed on Thursdays again at 8 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash The Gamers In. The video versions will be up on my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Jocelyn Moffat. I know it's really long. It's really annoying. They won't let me change it. I wish I could have Joss Plays, <laughs> but they won't let me change it. Ger arg, it's annoying. I understand. Um, <laughs> I'll make sure to, uh, when I upload the videos on YouTube, I'll make sure that I uh, send you guys the links on Twitter. So again, make sure you're following uh, both myself and the Gamers In accounts over on Twitter. Uh, you can email the show and let us know what you think about all the games that we talked about today at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Uh, also, Ryan, you wanted to talk again about the TGI Presents projects. Oh, yeah, no. I, I think we'll just at the end of the show, we're going to put in a little call to action for folks to check out these TGI presents. But if you go to the gamers in website, all the projects are going to be listed in some fashion that makes sense. But uh, check out summoners call our first TGI presents projects with more to come very soon. All right. With that in mind, remember guys, tune in next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye everybody.